Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Anarchy Among Friends Roundtable Discussion. Before we get started, let me first remind you that we are covered by the BIPCOT No Government License, which allows for the use and reuse of this podcast by anyone and everyone except for governments and the bludgies thereof. You can learn more about that at BIPCOT.org. That is B-I-P-C-O-T dot O-R-G. We're also protected by Brandenburg v. Ohio, 1969, which ruled that the government cannot punish inflammatory speech unless that speech is, quote, directed to inciting or producing imminent lawless action and is likely to incite or produce such action. Therefore, everything said here on Anarchy Among Friends Roundtable Discussion is entirely hypothetical. Uh, I believe this is episode 169. So, uh, nice. Is it 170? Giggity, giggity, giggity. Uh, 169, because... Uh, because Anne was 168. Oh, so, nice. So, nice. 169. Nice. nice. Giggity, giggity, giggity. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. Quagmire. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, yeah, I guess uh, we're just going to... Uh, Get into it, I guess. I don't really have any thing to Man. talk about. Not really. I mean, as far as I know, we're just talking about fucking uh, the shit show that is the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. The shit yeah. show that is this world. Yeah, I got my uh, I got my Ukraine talking a couple days ago when I recorded with the guys at Biting the Bullet. Yeah. That's uh, I haven't seen it yet, but it has it's not out yet. Oh, it's not out yet. Okay, no, no. If you know they follow their regular drop, and I think it'll be out Monday, so tomorrow, if you're listening to this live, or now, if you're listening to it on Monday, yeah, might already Um, be out. Yeah, that was a trip, man. Those guys are like, I've been following them since they started, you know, I have a I have a, I have a thing for like anarchist veterans, you know they uh they can they can reach people that I can't just by simply being you know veterans, which I still think is ridiculous. But yeah, we definitely can. I mean, we're able to mm-hmm. when we bring up the the evils of government, and everything everybody understands that we're approaching that from a background mm-hmm. of having been one of the people who did those bad things. Like mm-hmm. we know for a fact yeah. we were there. Especially when when it comes to things like like war, like you know, um, uh, foreign policy. When it comes to firearms, things like that, like you can you can speak from a position of like knowledge, right? And and from from a position as a veteran, like you can st- start with things like, well, as a veteran, right? Or as a yeah. combat veteran, you know, it's it. I think it gives a lot of credence, and I don't think enough anarchists who serve use that tool. Well, yeah, well, it's like a I double-edged mean, it's... sword, though, because you get the Democrat, you know, mm-hmm. veterans that are anti-gun and and this and this because they've swallowed the boot so deep, you know, that there's no recovery for them. Dan Crenshaw, we have, a, we have an we have a we have an article about them later <laughs> about those about those pro-war Democrats. It's not on the list. Oh, that was, was going to be the surprise. That was going to be a surprise one. So surprise. <laughs> no. But uh, uh yeah, that was a good time. That was a real good time. It was 
you know, I've I've been following those since they were like episode four or five or something like that. They're like one twenty something, and uh, and the just in the in the Discord chat and Telegram and and or no, Discord chat and Twitter and just I don't know. It was it was like as soon as as soon as I logged on, it was like, hey, what's up, bro? And it was just like instant. It was just it was an instant vibe, and we went for two hours. Like without even blinking, we went for two hours. Oh, nice! Yeah, nice. it was like it was like talking to you guys, but like they were Marines. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just throw some crayons no at them. You'll distract them. It's fine. No count for taste. <laughs> no, but that was a good time. Um, I'm looking forward to that one coming out and getting some feedback and. Oh, they they uh, they approached that one too. Yeah, they broached the subject afterwards of them having to come on with us. Nice, so, nice. Yeah, yeah. They they hit me up already too. Yeah. Um, that I might I pitched, be on at some. I pitched point, you hard. So. I pitched you hard. Yeah, that's. I don't know why, man. I'm just a dude. That's uh. <laughs> I'm just a dude no, who talks no, a lot. No, no, you're just a <laughs> drunk dude. Yeah, I'm just a I'm just a drunk Irishman who talks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So and wears weird T-shirts like this one. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Do I have any? Do I have any drunk Irishman stories? Um, I don't have any drunk Irishman articles. Sorry. No, I don't think you do. That's. Oh, uh, the the one with the sanctions. Before we get to sanctions, I actually just watched um, an old documentary. It was about the um, the one about uh, the the sanctions are sanctions are akin to uh, um, uh, declaration of war, or the one yeah sanctions could make Russia get closer to China. The uh, either or. Um, I just watched a documentary. It was about the uh, Barad Barad Yaman, Barad something like that. The um, the giant Buddhas that used to be in Afghanistan that the Taliban blew up in March of two thousand one. There you go. And breaking, breaking breaking news article: Congress seeks to restrict trade with Russia. Ah. what happens? What happens when trades don't cross borders? When when goods and services don't cross cross borders, soldiers will. Yes. Yeah, um, but it was it was uh, it was a really surreal thing to see because the documentary was filmed in very very early two thousand one in oh, Afghanistan, oh. very early one. Um, they hadn't blown up the Buddhas yet. That wouldn't happen until March of 01. 9-11 obviously wouldn't happen for months, um, and the Taliban's still entrenched since ninety six at that point. And he's talking about you know having covered the war in Afghanistan for 20 years and it took me a second to remind myself that he was talking about the Russian invasion and then the Afghani civil war um yeah. but he he mentions you know how isolated Afghanistan was made as a result of the Taliban taking over and all the international sanctions and everything else that were put out there and what was interesting is that he's talking to this average Afghani who's like, of course, everybody's pissed off at the West. Why wouldn't we be? What, mm-hmm. what are these sanctions for? You're punishing average people. We've done no crime. Why are we the ones who have to suffer mm-hmm. uh, because of the actions of somebody that we had nothing to do with? Yep. Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says the House is exploring legislation to further isolate Russia from the global economy, including banning the import of its oil and energy products into the U.S. Uh, because it's patriotic to spend $12 a gallon on gas. 
Let's see. Uh, I took it's a, a sacrifice of... we're willing to make. I've been yeah, I've it's been a sacrifice the it. rich are willing to make. I've been checking exactly. um uh, gas buddy every single day. And uh, today it was uh for regular it was four ninety nine. For regular at my my local. Ouch. Yes. So four ninety nine today. Uh, two days ago it was four seventy five, and then a couple days before that, it or the day before that it was four fifty three. So three three it was four fifty three. Uh, today it is four ninety nine. It is four sixty four right now. In Wisconsin, um, most yeah, around here. Well, and we're mm-hmm. lacrosse where I'm at in particular is lucky because we have um, we get tons of gas shipped in here from we're right on the Mississippi, so we get a lot of the mm-hmm. tankers, the big tankers, and we have a major train depot here too for freight. So gas tends to be pretty cheap here all the time because it's really easy to get here because it's going directly from the major transport mm-hmm. right here, um, but. Yeah, the cheapest is four twenty nine, and that's it, Woodman's. Um, but otherwise, all the quick trips are like four sixty four, four seventy four. Yep. So, here, my brother, my brother sent this Those one to me on Friday. This is Eureka, California, um, and that was on, on Friday, which is Friday, which is the third or the fourth. Uh, regular five forty five, diesel six oh nine. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we're currently at three thirty eight a gallon at the gas station closest to me, and that's a uh, Colorado Springs ish. Uh, Golden, area. Golden, Colorado, Golden, Golden, Colorado. Three sixty four, going a little further out. I mean, I saw it as yeah. high as three eighty nine yesterday, oh. but oh, let's see. Um, some Schloss says uh, ninety one octane for three ninety nine for regular. Yeah, he's yeah he's saying the prices that I'm giving here are for yeah. 91 because, well, yeah, why would I look at anything else? The only thing I can run in my truck. <laughs> but 9.5 miles per gallon, and it's almost $5 a gallon. It cost me $100 plus to fill my tank. Those, uh, I saw one, um, uh, a truck driver the other day, he posted, because uh, uh, they get like 5 MPG. Or something like that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Right, so it's 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 literally right now at a dollar a mile. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Wow. Let that sink in. And when when you start wondering about inflation, why prices are going up, it's because gas is costing truckers a dollar a mile to deliver goods. Yep. So figure if you're if they're getting paid, what seventy five cents a mile, sixty five cents a mile, forty four cents a mile. Mm-hmm for their haul plus whatever for the load they're breaking even maybe that's <sighs> yeah yeah it's insane it's fucking insane <sighs> but uh putin says western sanctions are akin to a declaration of war i just hope um, i get to watch the marshmallows roast before i vaporize mm-hmm yeah. See if you if you put if you if you pre-manufacture the s'mores and put them in your pocket, they will finish and be perfectly gooey like a billionth of a second before you get vaporized. So for a period of time, there will be a perfectly good s'more 
ready to eat in your pocket. Yeah. You the world's most perfect s'more will exist. You have to time it. You have to hold it like right here, right as the blast goes, <laughs> and then just now, all the all that meat in your you freezer. It, you're done. Now, there's yeah. there's a point in time where all that meat in your freezer will be perfectly cooked. Yeah, but. No, no, because it clearly will survive. I saw Indiana Jones in the Crystal Skull. I know that if it's in the refrigerator, it will be okay. okay. That was a 1940s refrigerator, not the 2000s. Oh, okay. All right. Now. Yeah, that's right. That one was lead-lined. I forgot that, yeah. but that one was lead-lined. That's, that's what does it. Okay. Yeah. It also helps it survive the laws of physics. Yes. So. Well, yeah, that and being in the movie helps. Well... <laughs> I will have you know that Indiana Jones was a documentary and the events actually happened in real time. Okay. <laughs> Are you suggesting that Hollywood might lie to me? Never. No. <laughs> no. Red Dawn happened. It happened. Uh, but, uh, President Vladimir Putin said on Saturday that the Western sanctions on Russia were akin to a declaration of war and warned that any attempt to oppose a no-fly zone in Ukraine would lead to catastrophic consequences for the world. <sighs> Putin reiterated that his aims were to defend Russian-speaking communities uh, through the, quote, demilitarization and denazification of the country so that Russia's former Soviet neighbor, Soviet neighbor became neutral and no longer threatened Russia. I, mean, I can't... Yeah argue against those two things with yeah, the NATO the, um, push and the Azov and what we're reading about yeah. the evacuations and yeah the um, there's actually a uh, you know his, a historical precedent for what Putin's saying because mm -hmm. the reality is from the late 17th century until 1954, the mid 20th century, Don, the Donbass region and Crimea were part of Russia. Mm -hmm. They were part of Russia and the Soviet Union. They were not part of uh, the various iterations of Ukraine. In that time, yeah, period. that's they, what, one, one of the terms. One of, of the terms that they use for those people is uh, ethically Russian. Yeah, they're um um. Oh, what's the what's the word? Uh, Russophones. That's the word I'm thinking yes. of. They're Russophones. Um, the the Donbas region and the Ukraine region are something like in the like low ninety percentile range of uh, ethnic Russian and Russian speaking. Um, the next couple of regions over are also like in the mid to high eighties percent for it like that they, they, they're very much russian and when you consider that it wasn't until until nikita khrushchev took over the soviet union that crimea moved back to be part of ish of oh. ukraine again it kind of makes sense that you would say well historically this was russian anyway and you know you have the the neo-nazis taking over since 2014 since euro maiden and that's you know, that's a big thing. Like you can't you can't just look at the, the conflict in Ukraine with a black and white Ukrainians. No. Good Russians. Bad. No, that isn't how this works, man. There are no good guys here. <laughs> there are oh, that, no good guys. that grab that grandma on the news showing her holding the AK-12 and her collection of Molotovs was pretty fucking based, though. Yeah, but oh, yeah, she's, they had that. she's a good guy. 
when they had they had that one that one old lady that was like uh that was rocking a um an ar mm-hmm. like she had like a full-on ar with a suppressor and yeah everything on it and standing there and, and you're just <laughs> like you you're just like <laughs> mommy, <laughs> yes. mommy? Like, i'm sorry it's like mommy <laughs> yeah. no way from polos uh, in her closet well, you know, and he, he, I mean, and it's not like the the Slavs of the Ukraine aren't familiar with fighting, right? Like, I mean, they've been <laughs> they've been uh, taken over by the. They were attacked twice by the Mongols. You know, the Golden Horde invaded uh-huh. them first, yep. and and then the the Crimean Khanate took them over for a while. Yep. And those are Mongol. Um, they were invaded and and taken over by the Poles. Well, Pole slash Lithuanian, I think. Um, yep. Poland, the Russians, the the Ottomans threatened them multiple mm-hmm. times. The, I mean, it on and on and on. And at one time, they were actually uh, the was it really Kievan Russo or Kievan Rus? Kievan Rus is what it was called. Um, was the largest kingdom in Europe in the 13th century in terms of geographic size? It was the largest, and it's just been getting picked apart and reinvaded and invaded and invaded ever since. I mean, the word Ukraine generally is translated as borderland like that should tell you what's going on here that this is an ongoing conflict that has been happening for a thousand yeah, been, years there's been no stability there yep. at all literally ever It'll just continue probably for another thousand oh. years if the earth is still here <sighs> yeah after well, thermonuclear I mean, it's, war it's gonna be afghanistan 2.0 yeah yeah well, yeah, and I mean, you know, and look at how that worked out for the Soviets the last time. So, <laughs> look how that worked out for the Americans. Look how it worked out. Actually, I mean, realistically, Afghanistan is is the graveyard empires. Look at how it worked out for the British and the French and the mm-hmm. Americans and the Soviets mm-hmm. and uh, the Mongols and uh... the Afghan National <laughs> Army. <laughs> yeah, like, and look, yeah, they're all goes on and on and on. Uh, Alexander the Great. Look at how it no. worked out for him. No. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we talked. We we were joking about it uh, in the Telegram chat about uh, um, it's the, it's the the same sort of pretext, right? It's 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 one side's pushing this ideology, and they're they're trying to push through this country to get to this other country, right? That was the whole thing to get to Russia, um, in Afghanistan. You know, we 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 used the U.S. used the Taliban, right? We used Al Qaeda. Mm-hmm. We literally created. Al Qaeda, mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. to to fight the Russians. There's a whole movie about it. Thanks, Rambo. Yeah, um, and, and then this, yeah, and it and it then completely backfired. Backfired. And well, I mean, and a now, lot of people and, don't and now we and were. now we're using and now we're using Ukraine. Yeah, right. Go trying to push the Donbass people. Try to push Crimea people. Try to push that anti-Soviet rhetoric through NATO yep. through Ukraine to go after Russia. Right. Well, so that makes thing- that makes Ukraine. That makes Ukraine uh, Afghanistan 2.0, and it makes the Azov like the new Taliban. Yeah, and the, the Azov the battalion is, I mean, keep in mind, like, the whole debacle, right, that happened a little while ago with Headstamp Publishing, with Ian McCollum from Forgotten Weapons, with the book he was going to publish and everything, yeah. and then everybody got, you know, really upset about it because he hadn't vetted the guy enough, and it's because he was a literal Nazi. Yeah, the literal Nazi, the book, was about fighting with the Azov Battalion. Like, this dude is an actual fucking Nazi, and the same people <laughs> who were up in arms about that less than two full months ago are now going, yay, Azov Battalion. 
because they're fighting the fucking Russians. Like, this is ridiculous. Facebook mm. allows praise of neo-Nazi Ukrainian battalion if it fights Russian invasion. Facebook will temporarily allow its billions of users to praise the Azov Battalion, a Ukrainian neo-Nazi military unit previously banned from being freely discussed under the company's dangerous individuals and organization policy. The policy shift made this week has pegged the ongoing Russian invasion of Ukraine and preceding military escalations. The Azov Battalion, which functioned as an armed wing of the broader Ukrainian white nationalist Azov movement, began as a volunteer anti-Russian militia before formally joining the Ukrainian National Guard in 2014. These are the people that Obama uh, was um, supplying in 2014. I'm putting out these these are these are mm -hmm. the the Ukrainian moderate rebels. Perfectly oh. fine when their guy does it. Yes. So but uh according to inter, uh internal <laughs> policy materials reviewed by the Intercept Facebook will quote allow praise of the Azov battalion when explicitly and exclusively praising their role in defending Ukraine or their role as part of Ukraine's national guard. Yeah, I mean, so you can these... you you can you can post the Ukrainian swastika, but not the German swastika because German white nationalists are bad, but Ukrainian white nationalists are good-ish somehow. Well, and it's it's That's I mean, like keep bad. in mind, there's there's a really good documentary called uh, my Nazi legacy, the sins of the father, mm -hmm. which I encourage mm -hmm. everybody to watch. It's fucking fantastic, but it's about the two children of Nazi war criminals, like hardcore fucking Nazi war criminals. And at one point um, during the film, um, Horst uh, von Wachter, who is the son of uh, Otto von Wachter, um, who's the guy who famously declared um, uh, the Balkans uh, Judenfrei during the Holocaust, he goes to this rally that's being held at a memorial to his father, the Holocaust war criminal. And there is an entire Azov battalion, like detachment there in full SS uniform, armband swastikas, the works that are super excited to meet his father and talking about, or meet his son and talking about how much his father was a hero to the Ukrainian people. This is the kind of Nazi Nazis that you're dealing with. These aren't even neo-Nazis. These are just full-on continued Nazis. <laughs> like, this is... I, and these are the people that you're like, oh, it's okay if you praise them. What? Mm -hmm. All the all the anti fascists. <laughs> not only, okay, not only, not only, not only if you don't praise them, if you don't praise them, then you're a racist. Because apparently Trump or not Trump, uh, Putin, Putin is bad, right? So Putin's a racist because there's transgender and minorities in Ukraine. So if you don't praise the white nationalist Azov Battalion, then you're a, a racist. Seeing, I gotta tell you, peak irony uh, in this whole thing was seeing Pussy Riot <laughs> post links for donations to the Azov Battalion. That was that was to just, the Nazis. That was that was just that was peak. That was absolute fucking peak. I, I stared at it and I was just like, "What? what? You, 
you understand oh. they're Nazis, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> not not a little bit Nazi. These guys are not like, oh well, they make some racist comments every so. They're actual armband wearing goose stepping Nazis. But red man bad. Oh my god! Yeah, and then and then they go, oh Putin is Putin is the the modern Hitler, and I'm like, no, what? That, that he's. <laughs> He's fighting that would, with the Nazis. That statement, that statement would probably actually upset members of the Azov Battalion. Yeah, it would actually. That would actually piss them off because they'd be like, "But Hitler, he do nothing wrong." It... <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Because oh. you know you. But I'm the crazy one. But I'm yeah. the one that's labeled an extremist, a dangerous, yeah, dangerous, violent extremist. <laughs> For not towing the line. Yeah, for not condemning Putin. Like, yeah, but Putin Putin shouldn't be going to war. Nobody should be going to war, right? War is bad. We're anti-war flat out. War is bad. But going, well, I so don't like this guy that I'm going to support Nazis is insane. So. <laughs> like, that is that mm-hmm. is just Goebbels. Goebbels is rolling in his grave so hard. <laughs> Goebbels is just like he's just he's laughing. If he wasn't already dead, he'd die laughing. Well, yeah, I mean, and don't like, get Putin's just, ter- just be like, terrible, oh right? shit, it works. Yeah, I mean, you know, Putin's <laughs> terrible, right? Like he is, he's he's a he's an autocrat. He's a KGB former KGB yeah. agent. He's kind of a neo-Soviet. He's, you know, it's if not a wannabe Romanov, he is. Like that, he is evil. He's a tyrant. He's a murderer, yeah. and he's awful. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. He is. Well, he knows. He knows where the bodies are buried because he buried them. Yeah. He also wa- used to walk like a uh, a penguin, which was hilarious. Um, seriously, go back and watch like early like Clinton era videos of him. He totally walks like a penguin. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, but he's he's terrible. Yes, he's awful. I agree with you. However he's also fighting people who are equally as terrible and awful and also murderers and commit war yep. crimes. And when it's two war crime committing awful tyrannies fighting each other, you really shouldn't have a dog in that fight. <laughs> nope. My lesser of two evils. Yeah. Like you should just be hoping that both sides lose <laughs> and badly. <sighs> no, <laughs> no, uh, but on the on the sanctions front, uh, article from Time: Sanctions on Russia could drive Moscow closer to Beijing and change the global financial system. Gosh, what a shock! Like not only that, but like like they banned Russia from SWIFT, right? That's the that's mm-hmm. the international fund transfer system. So Russia went okay, and they created their own SWIFT alternative. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, Swift has like eleven thousand members. Their new one only has like four hundred or whatever. But like they didn't blink. Yeah. Right. Well, you wanna, you wanna that... if if you wanna if you wanna ban Russian export of oil, Russia's gonna have enough oil. If you wanna ban Russian export of wheat, Russia's gonna have enough enough wheat to eat. Yeah. Right. The world won't. Twenty percent of the gasoline that the United States uses comes from Russia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, Biden, Biden, and Biden and his cronies were like, "Oh, we're gonna help. We're gonna release sixty million barrels from the emergency reserves." The U.S. uses eighteen billion or eighteen million barrels a day. Yeah, we use we use something like like eight over eight billion 
uh, just for like cars. Look for yeah, yeah. Like what, what was it? What was it like <laughs> half half a million barrels a day for lubricants or something like that? Uh, it was it was a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand barrels yeah. a day get used just for like lubrication. So like motor oil, WD forty, uh, stuff like that. A hundred thousand barrels per day, and the U.S. is used to produce lubricants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but oh, yeah. sixty million! Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! Woo! Yeah, that's gonna help for even three days. Even during the Soviet Union, the U.S. still worked with the Soviets on back channels to purchase things yeah. like. Remember, oil. remember when the U.S. was a net exporter of oil? Like, yeah. like five years ago. Yeah. Hey, isn't that a yeah. nice idea? And then uh, mm-hmm. all of a sudden we all got sh- all the uh, exploration of domestic oil reserves got shut down. And look at that. Yeah. Hey. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we should all be using solar panels. Well, where do you think the fucking lithium for the batteries comes from? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen where, lithium where do you- mines. Where do you think the uranium for the nuclear power comes from? Actually, a lot of that comes from Colorado. From, well, no, it comes, <laughs> it comes from the Donbass region. Yeah, but it, it also comes from the, the Rockies. Yeah. Awesome, um, yeah. the, like the, also, the lithium lithium comes from China. The the lithium also comes from um, from across the, the Middle East and Africa. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, those mines are pure slave yep. labor. Yep, and the U.S. the U.S. Mm-hmm. military is in uh, Central Africa right now, and has been for the last five yeah, or six pretty years. Much always are. Uh, they've Shocker. been there actually probably about the last twenty something no. years. Okay, just in mm-hmm. various in various iterations. Support capacities. Yeah, support capacity. Yeah, advisory yeah. advisory positions. Ad- advisory. Yeah. That's the word. Keyword. Yes, but advisory um, positions. Uh, yeah, sanctions uh, and advisory. Yeah. Punitive sanctions incurred by President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine are leaving Russia economically isolated. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> it's like, oh, gee, <laughs> you're talking about one of the largest countries on the planet and that has, you know, trillions of dollars in, in mining, mining available goods and growing goods and all. This. Oh, but you think that because you cut off their fucking access to OnlyFans, you're going to stop them from oh, being and, able and, to trade? And Netflix. And Netflix and Netflix and and uh, and, 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 they're, and they're pouring vodka down the drain that they've already purchased. Uh huh. Already um, paid for vodka and other yeah. goods. And and they banned and they banned RT for. from Telegram. Yeah, and they're they're not. Uh, there's those restaurants that aren't serving Russian dressing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jerica's gonna be so upset that she can't drink her white Russians anymore. <laughs> yeah, from now on, they're known as white freedom. Oh, no, mm. no, mm. <laughs> white. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, uh, punitive sanctions, uh, economically isolated. Okay, it's not. Uh, speaking of February 24th, the day of the incursion, U.S. President Joe Biden announced measures that quote exceed anything we've ever done. Really, bro, you <laughs> like, like, do we need to bring up Yemen? Do we need to bring up Yemen? Or Venezuela, where they ate the animals in the zoo because the U.S. sanctions cut them off. Yep. I mean... Red lines, all that fun stuff. 
Ah, sanctions have been imposed on Russian banks, enterprises, and oligarchs, as well as on officials and other Putin allies by other countries, including the EU, Japan, Canada, Australia, the UK, and New Zealand. Those are all countries pushing the liberal collectivist ideology that Putin is against. Like He's not going to care. All right. And and they act like they're not going to get those goods through like China or something in a backdoor mm-hmm. kind of deal because you know China doesn't support this shit. Yeah. So, are you back? Yeah. Okay. Um, speaking of February twenty fourth, there is Christian U.S. President Joe Biden announced measures that quote exceed anything we've ever done. <clears throat> and yeah, I heard that. They're like. <laughs> no, what? Yeah. Like, Yemen, Yemen. Hello, there's like a million yeah. people starving to death. Yeah, the and well, not just. I mean, again, Afghanistan. They they did it to Afghanistan in the 90s. Mm-hmm. They did it to, um, you know, they're still doing it to North Korea. They're doing it like that's all right. Here's look what, at on. those countries well, and look at the yeah. quality of living of the average citizen in those countries and consider yeah. what that does to people. Yeah. Uh, Russian central bank will be blocked from deploying its international reserves and Western airspaces will be effectively close to Russian aircraft. Okay. Uh, Tough restrictions will also be placed on the goods and services that Russian institutions and firms could purchase from the United States. The U.S. has already exported all of its fucking manufacturing to other countries. Yeah, exactly. What's Mm -hmm. like literally what's made in the United States? All right, we got some steel in Pittsburgh. We, right. Well, they can uh, make steel overseas. Uh, we do Brooks. make uh, processors. <laughs> we do make processors. Those get made in it, Vermont. If IBM. we if if we can get the chips from Taiwan well, and China and Japan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we make beer. Let's see. Tough restrictions um, in the U.S. Urban? Several big brands, including um, things like General Motors, almonds, and Apple, almond milk. <laughs> Have either closed offices, paused sales, or exited the Russian market. So General Motors, okay. I mean, unless they're or, and IKEA, IKEA is also closed offices there. So no cheap, weak ass furniture. Which is fucking hilarious, considering that <laughs> speaking of Nazis, IKEA used a bunch of fucking Jewish slave labor during the Holocaust. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. <laughs> It's like when people talk about how Coca-Cola, you know, we're going to boycott Coca-Cola because they won't shut down shipments like uh, to Russia like Pepsi did. Dude, Coca-Cola worked with Nazi Germany until the law literally forbid them from doing yeah. it. Uh, it could well, also where, have... Un- where do you think Fanta came from? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it could also have an unintended consequence. Some experts say that Western sanctions are, un- are, are likely to bring Russia and China closer together economically. And they may has. even they may even pose a threat to the U.S. dollar's dominance of the global financial system. They already have because after Visa and Mastercard shut down operations, China went, "Hey, we have this alternative processing system. You guys want to use that?" And Russia went, "Okay, yep." Mm-hmm. <laughs> the bear and the dragon, man. The bear and the fucking dragon. Have you not read this bear- book? Do you know how yeah. it ends? Not well. <laughs> yeah, I I labeled this uh, this episode uh, "Bears versus Lions." <laughs> right, because Ukraine is lions, like Lviv, L-V-I-V. It literally Ukrainian for lion. So that's what we're talking about. I didn't want to put the Ukrainian in the title because, yeah. 
But uh, um, the home of quote, the Rus. Yeah, um, quote foreign economies such as Russia that still relies a great deal on export revenues and on international trade more broadly. Losing access to global financial systems is a clearly painful blow. Well, no, you no. didn't. They didn't lose access to shit. They got kicked off of Swift. No. Okay, they made they made their own. Yeah, they and every country of... that they trade with regularly, except the United States, went okay, and set up on that too. Yeah, except yeah. except the EU, which okay, Russia just shut off the pipeline, the oil pipeline to the EU. Yeah, Russia closed their pipeline exporting to the EU. Yeah, they're going to <laughs> they're going to starve <laughs> Europe and the United States out of existence. Like much yeah, more yeah. easily than we will starve them. Like that's no. that's the bottom line. Like you these the problem is is that you're dealing with a bunch of people who are of the virtue signal culture, right? Where they think that you know words are violence and that you know we can, you know, if you just yell and scream like the Triglypuff uh loud and long enough that somehow you're going to affect some sort of meaningful change. They honestly believe this crap. And they're up against a guy who literally like a, probably assassinated multiple political rivals well, okay. so that he could like, get to where he is. Like he doesn't like, fucking not, care. Mm -hmm. not, not only that, but like, like he didn't wake up on Tuesday and be like, you know what? Fuck it. We're invading Ukraine tomorrow. Right. That, that's, that's not what happened. Like for the last, for the last six months, they've slowed the export of wheat. They've slowed the export of oil. Um, yeah. They've built up large stockpiles of goods, of goods, um, mm -hmm. within within the country, right? They, they they have stockpiles, like they knew this shit was coming, and they still did it anyway because the sanctions don't scare them. Well, yeah, and I mean, and don't forget that again, this has basically been ongoing since 2014. It's been eight years. Mm -hmm. This has been in the making since Euromaiden. Since Euromaiden yep. happened, Russia has had a military presence in Donbas. They've had a military presence mm -hmm. in Crimea. It's not. It hasn't been. Uh, an overt military presence until now, but they've had a military presence and everybody knew it. And then Donbass and Crimea officially declared themselves independent, which yeah. politically the, makes sense because they uh, are ethnically they, completely yeah. different than the rest of Ukraine and linguistically <laughs> different than the rest of Ukraine and culturally mm -hmm. different than the rest of Ukraine. Yep. They're on the other side of, uh, was it the Dnieper? Is that yeah, something like that? The, the Dnieper? Yeah. Um, and and who, who recognized the Donbass as a sovereign as a sovereign territory? Putin. Putin did. No one else did. Yeah. No. Well, you know, he didn't he didn't say you're part of Russia now. I mean, he you said, could argue he said he said I recognize your sovereignty. Well, yeah, and he he could have cuz I mean, historically for Russia that would track. They've annexed the Crimea at least twice and Donbass once. Um so like that's it would make sense. <laughs> uh but you know, they that area of Ukraine on the eastern, or yeah, the eastern side of the, the Dnieper is completely different than the rest of Ukraine. So when they declared themselves independent, one, that makes sense. And two, now that they've declared themselves independent, have a functional government unto themselves, technically Putin can argue that he was asked to come in there by the local governments and uh, to, I don't know, protect them from the fucking Nazis and the Azov battalion. Yeah. And and can argue that he was asked to help protect their sovereignty and therefore didn't invade. He was asked in on a peacekeeping mission. And then in order yep. to do that, and that's exactly what he's arguing is in order to mm -hmm. do that, he then needs to keep pushing west to yep. 
get rid of the military elements that will inevitably threaten those two mm -hmm. regions. Which and, what it's all it's all it's a uh, there's also another piece of that too, and it's the the eastern expansion of NATO, right? You know they mm -hmm. uh, NATO NATO was created after World War II as an anti-Russian um, alliance, and well, anti-Soviet, anti-Soviet, yes, anti-Soviet USSR, uh, anti-Soviet alliance, and they've been pushing east, getting closer and closer and closer, and now they've been since 2014 they've been pushing for Ukraine to be part of NATO. And the current president of Ukraine's like, yes, I want to join NATO. Like Russia, you, Russia can't have a, a NATO country on its border like that. Not, not, not of that size and power. Well, yeah, what sparked all of the riots and everything during Euromaiden was the fact that the then president who wound up deposed mm -hmm. wanted to join the EU. Yeah. And they didn't want to be part of the EU. Don't forget that the United or Ukrainian Soviet Socialist Republic was one of the founding states of the USSR. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> there that's and now you're talking about having them join NATO. Of course Russia's going to flip the hell out. <laughs> Did you see that blue check mark on Twitter that we should kick Russia out of NATO? Yeah. Oh Patricia Ar Patricia Arquette. That's who yes, it was. Patricia, Patricia Arquette. Arquette. Yeah, and yeah. everyone's like is somebody going to tell her? <laughs> got so much shit she deleted that tweet it's like no 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 wait but the internet wait, never watch, forgets watch. the Patricia. internet the internet never forgets <laughs> there's screenshots everywhere and just <laughs> delete all social media go crawl into a cave and die mm -hmm. no. I don't know. yeah and this is i mean you know and then meanwhile you have you have blue check marks that are super rich like fucking um um george takei who i can't stand and he uh, is going, oh, well, you know, we can stand the higher gas prices and higher prices for commodities because no, think of it you can stand it because you yeah, got a you fucking can. seven and eight digit you know, bank account. Yeah, yeah, you are rich. You can stand that. The rest of us cannot. Yes. And it's the same thing with the sanctions against Russia is, yeah, Putin can stand it. No problem. He doesn't care. The uh, Russian military doesn't care. The average Russian who can no longer easily buy food or earn money or yeah. anything, they care. And they yeah. don't have yeah. any power. Remember that they, a bunch of them are protesting right now in Moscow and in St. Petersburg and, and other places and are getting violently put. Those protests are getting violently put down. They're getting arrested. They're going to jail for it. Like, what do you think you're going to do? By harming those people, nothing. Yep. Not only that, but uh, to bring up our surprise article that I did not tell the boys about. This is an article from DefenseOne.com. Russia's invasion will boost the 2023 defense budget. Top Democrats say. Of course, Rep I yes. am oh. shocked. Shocked, oh, I say. No. Hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. It says Russia's invasion of Ukraine will boost the Pentagon funding next year. The chairman. The chairman of the House Armed Services Committee predicted on Thursday, quote, without question, it's going to have to be bigger than we thought. That is Representative Adam Smith, a Democrat out of Washington. Uh, quote, the Russian invasion of Ukraine fundamentally altered what our national security posture and what our defense posture needs to be. It made it more difficult and it made it more expensive. I don't see much way to argue it. Uh, yeah. uh, yes, I agree. 
During annual budget negotiations, <clears throat> uh, 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 Republicans typically push for more defense spending, while Democrats overwhelmingly argue to cut the military and increase spending on domestic programs. But the bipartisan support for Ukraine could unite both parties around a higher defense budget. Quote, what a surprise. Yeah, quote, the political reality is that the Russian incursion in Ukraine has created much more support for an increase in the defense budget. At he a minimum, said while going, oh, shucks. At a minimum, mm -hmm. I think Democrats won't oppose it because it's hard to, politically, at this point, given what we're seeing. That is from Todd Harrison, Director for Budget Analysis at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Yeah. In December, Congress authorized nearly $778 billion for defense spending in fiscal 2022, which began October 1st, though lawmakers have yet to pass a budget to disperse that money. The Biden administration is expected to submit a 2023 budget request this month. Uh, sources familiar with the negotiations told Reuters the request would include more than $800 billion for overall defense spending, including the $773 billion for the Defense Department. $800 billion. Yes. With a B. With a B. Billion dollars. I can't even wrap my head around that much money. Yeah. $800 billion. That's 80% of a trillion. You know, and here's the thing, is that the United States government does not, in fact, have $800 billion to spend they are 30 trillion dollars in the hole and who are they mostly in debt to china well, china. well, techni te well and technically they're mostly in debt to the federal reserve system well yes, because of the, but... fed the federal reserve bank holds most of the most of the u.s debt but china is the largest foreign yeah. foreign holder so what happens pray tell to the united states <laughs> when China decides that they're going to get real bosom buddy yes. with Russia and they're going to go ahead mm -hmm. and call all that debt in. Well, that's funny. You should mention that because <laughs> there's a paragraph here. It says, but the money would also likely to go buy weapons, aircraft, ships and submarines to make sure the military can deter both Russia and China. The people that we're borrowing money from. Yes. <laughs> I mean, this is oh. this is the equivalent of going to your next door neighbor and going, hey, man, can I get uh, can I borrow like fifteen hundred bucks? And he's like, for what? And you're like, oh, uh, you'll see. And then you, he gives you the fifteen hundred dollars and then you buy a gun with it <laughs> and a bunch of ammo. And he goes, you bought a gun and ammo. What would what, you buy the gun and ammo for? Well, in case you ask for the fifteen hundred dollars back. Yeah. <laughs> quote now congress and the dod instead of looking at the overall force structure in terms of being able to meet one major theater war at a time they're now forced to look at two almost simultaneous wars and that is going to drive a lot more of an increase in demand for force structure how has that worked out for countries historically oh my in goodness recent memory the multi Mm, front um, war thing. Well, you remember, remember when Afghanistan was fighting the U.S. and the Taliban at the same time? Yeah. That, well, they that. well they were fighting. They they weren't fighting the U.S. and the Taliban at the same time. They were fighting. Well, themselves the Taliban were fighting themselves? the U.S. and the Afghan National Army. Yeah, 
Well, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, and how that went. Um, you remember how the, that went for, I don't know, say Germany, Germany. in World War One mm-hmm. and World War Two, yeah. or Austro-Hungary in World War One. Or uh, the Ottoman Empire in World War One. You, you notice in a trend here, um, the, Roman, the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. Carthage. Um, <laughs> oh. You think maybe the, the just, Mongol uh, Empire, um, <laughs> the the Japanese in World War Two. You, you're seeing a trend here, I think, uh, with how well that works. Uh, it it doesn't work well. Yeah. You, you can't Not really do all. it. No. Unless you have a massive, massive domestic oh. manufacturing infrastructure, an incredibly which, strong economy. Which we, we don't, don't. And we don't. Right. And, you know, interestingly, <laughs> Germany yeah. also, heading into also, World also, War II. Hold on. Also, <laughs> the U.S. is a net importer of food. About half of the food consumed in the United States is imported from other countries. So not only do we not have a manufacturing in, in, uh, infrastructure or a strong economy, we don't have a domestic food production enough to keep up with U.S. needs. So, you know, what's interesting is there's another country that had to fight a multi-front war recently that also had not enough infra- manufacturing infrastructure or steel or oil or food. Oh. Um, it was it was in this region in, in like middle of Europe. Um, <laughs> it's run by some guy, Adolf something or other. Yeah. It went well for them, I hear. Real well. Yeah, real well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fantastic. But on that on that note, <laughs> Biden administration courts Venezuela as Russian economy takes hits from sanctions. Senior U.S. officials traveled to South America, as some suggest Venezuelan imports could replace those from Russia. The so the the actual <laughs> communist country, <laughs> that one, the, the one that murdered a bunch of actual, citizens recently. The actual communist country under U.S. sanctions. <laughs> I just it's. Uh, it, it's comical. Oy. It's so fucking sad. It's comical, and I'm I'm trying. It's 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 not a real laughing matter. What's what's coming? It's not a real laughing matter. But no. I have to laugh. I have to laugh in order to deal with this. In order to not cry. No, oh, I mean it. So you. So like you're these, willing. Like these, you're... Venezuela. Venezuela was under U.S. sanctions so bad. That people chased down zoo animals and beat them to death with rocks so that they would have something to eat. And not just the prey animals. These people attacked lions and tigers with sticks. Oh. <laughs> they, they were had, so hungry. And they, they won. There was, there was, there was an international, international outcry because one of the tigers in the zoo starved to death. How do you guys remember that? About, I thought yeah, like two, I, I year, two years ago. Yeah, I vaguely remember. Yeah. <laughs> One of the tigers starved to death because the zoo couldn't afford to feed it. The zoo couldn't afford to feed it because the country's fucking. These are the people that fought inflation. They fought inflation by <laughs> literally taking the inflation number and like cutting off four zeros. Yeah, they just removed like, zeros, which they did twice. By the like way. The, the inflation numbers were so bad. 
that the point of sales, the, the, the point of sale machines, like only hold 10 digits. Right. So they, they just cut four, not four zeros off the prices of everything in order to be able to fit them on the point of sale, for, be able to for, fit the price on the point of sale machine. Like um, the US, US it. sanctions just, just did this. Remove it. And now oh. we're going, well, and, and don't forget, like, this is the country that the US was celebrating the, the uprising by the citizens against their draconian government and their authoritarian government. And, you know, and decrying the, the violent crackdowns against the protests, the anti-government protests and things. Yeah. And so the U.S. cut them off from from oil, you know, instilled all these sanctions because of it. And now we're going looking at lifting those sanctions and engaging in trade with them. Because the bald guy over there like, attacked a bunch of Nazis. <laughs> it's like toy, toy Story when he drops Woody. I don't want to play with you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, now Buzz Lightyear is boring, and now he wants to pick up the old dusty, beaten up Woody and play with Woody again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see, uh, several senior Biden administration officials from the White House and the State Department traveled to Venezuela on Saturday to meet with Russian to meet with the Russian ally as Moscow's economy begins to cater under the weight of the sanctions, according to the report. The U.S. is hoping to capitalize on Russia's economic weaknesses three years after the Kremlin, along with China and Iran, came to Venezuela's financial aid when the Trump administration cut diplomatic ties with Caracas and imposed sanctions on oil exports in the Latin American country amid Western accusations of an illegitimate election. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) Oh. Oh, that is rich. That is rich. Authoritarian President Nicolas Maduro of Venezuela was accused by the U.S. and the West of election fraud in 2019. With the White House recognizing opposition leader Juan Guaido as the real president. Current U.S. officials hope to pull Caracas further away from Moscow after Venezuela has already distanced itself from Russian President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine, according to the report. You know who else condemned Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine? The fucking Taliban. <laughs> they say, can't you that guys just great. talk this out peacefully? peacefully? <laughs> that oh was great. Hey, they're fucking terrible people too, but man, are they wonderful trolls. And it's just <laughs> fucking amazing. I just saw that and I was so big. Uh, 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 George W. Bush put out a statement on Twitter too about... Uh, um, condemning the unsanctioned wars or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> unjustified <laughs> or un- unjust unjustified invasions. Yeah, that was it. And everyone's like, "What?" I, the ghost, the ghost of Saddam Hussein's like, "What? <laughs> What's going on?" <laughs> the fuck is this? Yeah, it's all fucking. It's all clown show, bro. It's all fucking clown oh. show. Oh man, we live. Oh. We live in clown, clown world. world. Hong Kong. Yeah. It's except oh. that it's gonna end with all of the clown noses melting in nuclear fucking fire. <laughs> yep. 
Uh, Maduro, in a speech on Thursday, said, quote, Here lies the oil of Venezuela, which is available to whomever wants to produce and buy it, be it an investor from Asia, Europe, or the United States. No. Well, one, of course, Venezuela wants money from the United States. They don't have any, and boy, would that be helpful. So... Like it's one funny US how dollar all... can buy like a county down there. Yeah. See, what is what is the Venezuelan? Let's see, Venezuelan. Is it a, is it a peso? currency? Let's see, Venezuelan currency to U.S. dollar is oh four hundred and thirty six thousand two hundred and seventy two to one. It's like that scene in Eurotrip when they're in Bratislava. Yeah, with the like, nickel, Bratislava. Nickel. You see <laughs> yeah. this? I have a nickel. <laughs> oh, there's, yeah, that's, oh my God. <laughs> so, like, what I'm hearing is that if I was going to found my own oil company to become wildly rich, now is the time to do it and go set up in Venezuela because my next paycheck from work will probably pay for it there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because isn't that like the historically that's what the U.S. does in Central and South America, right? It destroys the economies and the governments and then it moves in so that all the business interests in the U.S. can take over and be like, oh, well, I mean, you guys weren't doing anything with this anyway, right? Yeah. And then just take over. Like that's that's been the pattern since uh, fucking uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Let's see. Uh, According to... Numbo, N-U-M-B-E-O, the cost of living uh, for Ukraine or for uh, Venezuela. Um, it costs about 90 cents U.S. for a 12-ounce bottle of water. So 90 cents U.S. is what? Like 400,000 Venezuelan? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It, that's I figure that's, a, that's about... What is that? That's probably the same thing would be, what, $2 here, roughly? Maybe. So it's, you know, cost you about half as much to <clears throat> build shit there. But the labor would be infinitely cheaper because no one can afford anything right now. So anything is. And that's, again, that's how the U.S. works, especially in Central and South America. That's how it's always worked. That's how we got the the um, Panama Canal built. A three um, a three bedroom apartment, uh, in the city in Caracas, is uh, five hundred dollars US. Dang. Oh, that's it's it's a little cheaper around here. Yep. Uh, average monthly salary after taxes is about two hundred and thirty dollars US. <laughs> So that tells you. $72 per square foot for an apartment in the city. What is it in California? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wish. California costs more than that. No, but I don't know. That was just, I don't know. That made me laugh. Venezuela. I mean, it's, it. It's one of those things like like the the Russian sanctions hit hard, right? And but the the, the U.S. and to stop oil 
export or stop oil imports from Russia would just it would crash the economy. It would crash the U.S. economy, right? I mean, twenty percent less less fuel to the United States while increasing uh, the the interest rates on borrowing. And you're just the the economy is just going to go. It's like why the coyote, you know, hitting the, hitting the wall that looks like a tunnel. Mm-hmm. Right, just right into that fucking rock, and just and it's that part scares me. That part scares me. Oh yeah, I mean, and look at look at what happens. Um, you know, as soon as as soon as there's a flood, as soon as there's something that prevents, um, you know, prevents people from being able to get. Uh, necessities in cities look at what happens with the looting and everything else almost immediately within less than five hours of a major disaster there's looting and stuff what do you think is going to happen when all of the sudden you can't get anything nobody can afford anything well that's already uh, that was that was one of the things that the federal reserve uh has been talking about the experts have been talking about uh in terms of uh, the inflation that we have in the United States. The only real way, according to them, to stop inflation is to make the price of things to the point that people stop running out and buying it. Yeah. Right? You have, you, have to, you have to kill demand in order to quit rising the prices, right? Because there's only mm-hmm. a finite amount of X, Y, Z, right? So as, as long as people are demanding it, then the prices are going to go up for this thing. But you get to the point where you price it out of people's purchasing power mm-hmm. it's going to kill the demand and eventually those prices will come back down to meet the to meet actual inflation yeah well right? i mean we we even see that in the very short term with uh for instance with the video game systems because mm-hmm. of the ultra shortness of supply yeah. where the price has skyrocketed and now everyone has gone well i can't afford that that's ridiculous yeah, well, the, i guess i'll the, just the, stick the, with yeah, the PS5s were selling on eBay for thousand dollars and shit. Yeah, the the Xbox the Xbox One X's you oh, still basically can't get. Hey, I play Xbox. <laughs> the the One X you basic or not the One X but the Series X you can't uh-huh. get uh, in most places at all. And if you can, they want eight or nine hundred dollars for what was supposed to be a five hundred dollars system. Well, yeah. everybody kind of went. Well, my Xbox One is still supported, and I can still yep. play perfectly fine games on there. I guess I'll just do without. And so now all of a sudden all these retailers are having to dump their prices back down steadily yep. because no one's buying them because, well, I can't afford that. I've learned to live without it now. And, you know, and what's going to happen here in the very near future is all of us who are, are hoarders and preppers and things, we're all suddenly going to be vindicated in very short order for why we hoarded all this stuff. Like a bunch of y'all are about to learn why your grandmothers and great grandmothers hoarded, you know, held on to like tinfoil and shit. You're going to learn the hard way why that happened. Yep. But on the flip side, once those go into a glut, the aftermarket, the aftermarket will, uh, will blow up and that will be fantastic. Oh yeah. And the, the black market is going to get fucking oh. glorious. Like I'm already, so, I'm already planning my little storefront. <laughs> the AK 12s. I'm just saying, ah, oh, dude, even uh, look at like, even AK daddy. D- AK Daddy did a video today on the AK-12. Oh, man. Oh, they're, they're nice. Yeah, they're nice. But I mean, even this, right? When I got this, I traded a, what was a $600 gun when I bought it for this. Yeah. The, the, Plus a shit the, ton of mags the, and a ton yeah, of Yeah, the KSG, right? Or no, no not the KSG. No, well, I, well, I traded the KSG for it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that was about a $600 gun new when, when it was first purchased. 
trade it for that and I get that and a huge stack of mags and mm -hmm. a great big ammo box mm -hmm. packed full of like a thousand rounds of ammo, all of that with it for a $600 gun. Yep. Those are retailing for a grand now with one mag. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but on that note, uh, Ukrainian authorities say citizens don't need to declare captured Russian tanks and military equipment for tax purposes. Be right Ultimate back, heading to Ukraine. Drop. <laughs> loot no, drops. Loot drop. Yeah, Ukrainian authorities have reassured citizens that they don't need to declare captured Russian tanks or any equipment they pick up as personal income. Quote, <laughs> have you captured a Russian tank or armored personnel carrier and are worried about are worried about how to declare it? Keep calm and continue to defend the motherland, a statement that is from Ukrainian National Agency on Corruption Prevention, saying by the Interfax, Ukraine said, quote, there is no need to declare that captured Russian tank or other equipment because the cost of this does not exceed 100 living wages. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's cheap shit. Fuck it. No one cares. On the agency's <laughs> website, a document dated Monday said that the seizure of tanks and equipment would be considered, quote, a manifestation of the unity and cohesion of the Ukrainian people in the fight against invaders and would not be taxable. So they just went full on medieval. <sighs> Spoils of fucking war. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, BRB, I need to go get myself YouTube a T72. <laughs> right, right after I saw this article, I saw the YouTube videos of Ukrainians showing. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Shit exists. APCs. So anybody out there can sit there and watch the video. Like, okay, this switch first, this button first. Well, yeah, you just basically you gotta you gotta make sure it's in neutral. Flip the magnetos on. Make sure the fuel pump is on and hit start. No, nope. there are no keys in military vehicles, people. They don't use keys. Nope. There's that that would be counterproductive because keys get lost, especially by idiots who drive vehicles. Because you grunts. know they're just well, they're not grunts, but they're practically grunts. So yeah, okay. they're not okay. bright. They tend Quote, to lose things. So there's no keys. So all you got to do is yep. get in and boom. Yay! Quote, Thanks to the courage and victory of the defenders of the Ukrainian state. Hostile military equipment, weapons, and other armor arrive as scrap. It is impossible to evaluate such objects in accordance with the laws of Ukraine. <laughs> that is fucking just <laughs> fantastic. That is that is just that. Yeah. You know, if you wanted to support, if the U.S. truly wanted to support the Ukrainian people without like being jackasses to the russians they could simply say hey look we're going to lift any restrictions on the import of military hardware of any variety oh. from the ukraine oh. and at that point oh. russian ak's ak-74s can you imagine picking up a russian manufactured full auto ak-74 as you ak-12 only dropped once yeah, like, and just like, oh, you know what? I feel like uh, picking up some, uh, I'm going to go pick Truly. up some, uh, down to the oh, hardware store, and, you know, there's a, case, a military surplus A case store. of spam cans, Andrew. Just a oh. case of spam cans. <laughs> Do you know how much this little fucker cost me? You know how nice that would be to be able to oh. just have an entire case of this shit for oh. next to nothing? I mean, like, imagine what could happen. You could have, oh. you, could, I'm not, you could. I'm not, I'm not rock hard right now, but I'm on the way. You could like <laughs> be driving around in a uh, in a in an MBT and just be like, "Yeah, check it out. This is my new T seventy two. What do you think?" 
<laughs> just boogaloo suave squat with a fucking AK-12. Oh man, the, I saw that there was a picture a guy posted where um, he'd recovered an AS Val off of a Spetz. Oh, the guy. Val, yes. Oh my, oh, my god! Goodness. I stared at that and I'm like, "Oh, you lucky bastard!" Yes. Do you know what I would pay for a fucking AS Val? Uh, what's what's the the line? You know, I would I'd give an arm and a leg for it. I mean, yeah. not my armor leg, but I could acquire one but, and, and yeah, trade I, for I it. could definitely get yeah, an armor yeah, leg. Yeah. yeah, I'd trade yeah. that. Yeah, I'm sure we can find <laughs> like, something. Yeah. Close yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? To to have an AS Val, like, oh my god, that'd be amazing. Just Guys, the, the check sur- out my new tank and my the Val. surplus. The surplus market, like five years from now, it's just going to be. <sighs> cheap Russian military uh, uniforms, slightly bloody, must be washed. <laughs> Minor holes, <laughs> must patch. Air conditioning, <laughs> oh. vent holes. Dude, that's that's <laughs> what you do if you want it. If you were like, no, we're going to support, like, just allow Ukrainians to just ship enormous amounts of yep. Russian military hardware that they've captured to the U.S. into the civilian market. But they won't do that because they know what will immediately happen with all of that equipment, suddenly being in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> right, what'd oh. you get? Oh, I uh, sw- headed down to the remember, like, military surplus store and picked up a couple of eaglets and... <laughs> well, you, you remember the stories of like 10 or 15 years ago before Obama... When people would walk into a gun sh- gun show and leave with a case and a Gantz. Right? You remember those stories? That's what I'm hoping yeah. happens. I mean, it won't happen, but that's what I'm hoping happens. Oh, yeah. If you, it, like, if the NFA was repealed tomorrow. Oh. And they then also allowed all full imports from the Ukraine of military hardware, you would see so many AKs to show up. It would be insane be glorious all at once it oh absolutely glorious are you trying to make me drool andrew (laughs) just (laughs) hey man i'm just having my own fantasy over here uh... (laughs) (laughs) oh yes as my patch says uh keep your rifle by your side uh the manifestation of unity and cohesion of ukrainians (laughs) <laughs> I I call it the manifestation of cohesion and unity of all peoples as you sell me your armored personnel carrier <laughs> you acquired. Have you seen the video of that farmer, by the way, stealing that APC? <laughs> that, AP- that is the funniest fucking thing where like it had run out of fuel. So like the troops dismounted and walked away from it. So no one was near it. So he just backs up to it, hooks up some yep. chains and drives away with it. And this one soldier's like, hey, hey, what do you what do you do? And he's just like, nope, it's mine now, bitch. There's <laughs> <laughs> a there's a, a never ask a woman her age. Never ask a man his salary. Never ask a Ukrainian farmer where he got his anti-aircraft, uh, his, his anti-aircraft system. <laughs> it ain't much, but it's honest work. <laughs> I mean, right now it it feels like like the the Russians are kind of invading South Central. 
like where they just if they leave their vehicles unattended they come back and there's just parts missing and like well that gone. was that up was the line up in, on blocks uh, treads gone yeah exactly <laughs> well that was that was the line in a uh, triple uh, x2 with ice cube right they uh they put the the high lifts underneath the tank well they're the first tank jacket in history yep. <laughs> well there was the second <laughs> yeah right there it's <laughs> I mean, I'm just, man, can you imagine if, if like the, it, I mean, if you, you had the gangs of, of Chicago and, and Los Angeles and shit, like head over there and just like these Russians would walk into like, go get a meal here, <laughs> come back out. And there's just like the frame of a vehicle left. Everything's gone. <laughs> what <Yeah>. the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking popping tracks. <laughs> but uh speaking of weapons memes become weapons in the ukraine russian conflict they've always been weapons it's an article from abc news that says uh typically used for fun on social media memes out of ukraine are serious business amid russia's attack in fact history and media experts who talked who spoke with abc news said the social media Post about Ukraine's resistance against Ukraine against Russian forces are war tools. That's what we're talking about now. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about memes are war tools. Intercontinental ballistic memes. Yes. ICBMs. Yes. Uh, Jennifer Graygill, associate <laughs> professor of communications, Syracuse University, who specializes in social media and memes. Specializes in social media and memes. And memes. Memes <laughs> told ABC News that social media campaigns undertaken by big governments or grassroots groups are critical in gaining worldwide support. Quote, that's how warfare is conducted in the information space. It's about narrative and the public belief. Propaganda. Right. That's that's what that's what me and uh, uh, Biting the Bullet Boys, Typo and Luke talked about was propaganda. As social media warfare heats up, Greg Gill and other experts say the world needs to be on high alert and prevent spreading false information. U.S. and European officials also say that Russian government began using social media videos in the last couple of months to plant false flag stories that bolster Putin's claim his invasion is legitimate. This from the same social media, you know, the ghost of Kiev and the Snake Island, and yeah, those things totally happened. Yeah. Uh, U.S. and European officials also say the Russian government... Uh, oh, I just read that paragraph. Uh, in one video posted in February, Russian-backed separatists claimed they were ordering a, quote, a, a immediate evacuation to Russia because of the unrest in Ukraine, but uh, metadata embedded in the files showed they had been created two days earlier. So... Um, let's see, uh, V.S. Subrahman, a faculty fellow at Northwestern University's Buffett Institute for Global Affairs and Cybersecurity Expert, said that these tactics aren't new. He said during World War II, Western and Nazi forces would airdrop leaflets on the back battlefield and in towns to promote their respective countries and to intimidate their enemy. Well, don't forget during Vietnam, you know, the Hanoi Jane and... Um, there's the, the, there was an American that did the radio broadcasts in Germany during world war two. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, the, this is not new. This isn't even remotely new. This isn't even remotely mm-hmm. unique. It's just that the type of media has changed. Mm-hmm. The type of media, I mean, if you go back to all the way back to uh, our revolutionary war, right? Ben Franklin, the, the newspaper guy, huge into propaganda, right? He's the one, right? Instead of just, you know, doing the, doing the newsletter about the Boston massacre, they actually had a, had a, a, a 10 type done so that they could stamp this, painting on the leaflets that they handed out right because you know words or uh, pictures paint things that words can't you know explain so like propaganda is powerful propaganda can can completely change a person's uh, opinion because it appeals to an emotion yeah well yeah i mean sam adams is really good at that Um, you know, it's uh, was it Horace Greeley? Horace Greeley, uh, his newspaper was really good at that. I mean, Thomas Paine and his leaflets, you know, the common sense that was a, a, a propaganda type thing that you know, on the same level as uh, you know, on the same level as, as any other propaganda would be later in history. Um, you know, you see a ton of that throughout history where you see that you see during world war two, the, the keep calm and carry on, um, mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, the, uh, world war one with the Kitchener's army with the, I want you that then gets repurposed by American world war two with uncle Sam and the same thing that I want you. And this mm-hmm. is stuff that, well, not, not only that, but like all the, the way back to like, uh, you can even bring in like the, the Rosie, the riveter. Yeah. Right. Yep. Vict- victory gardens and. Um, go to propaganda media like uh, uh, Captain America, right? Captain America on yeah. tour, selling selling war bonds. You go to uh, the movie Red Dawn, where they have the people at the drive-in, right? The re-education camps, yeah, right. The the stuff the stuff that's playing on the screen and over the loudspeakers. That's no different. Same same thing. Well, yeah, yeah. It's it's. I mean, is kind of as old yeah. as war Toby itself. Toby I mean... Keith's fucking stupid ass patriotic songs. Yeah. Ugh. Well, I, even going back, I mean, you you have that going back to ancient Egypt, ancient Sumeria, where they they would have these huge carvings talking about how great yep. their victories were and all these amazing mm-hmm. things they did. And you'd have all of that going back. I, Julius Caesar's uh, conquest of Gaul is one big propaganda pamphlet about how great Caesar is. You know, like this, this is a a pretty common thing that's been done as long as warfare has happened. It's just that now, instead of being in the hands of regular propagandists who are working for the government in concerted efforts and things, it's tons of people have access to this. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, Christopher's listening. Take care of the baby. So he's not going to be joining us. So, bummer. But uh, it's just mainstream media is mad that everybody has get, access they're getting to propaganda out, now. They're getting outdone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And I mean, you know, and the false flag thing has been around forever too with, with propaganda. I mean, you have Hitler, World War II with the, the well, Polish no, or the, no, that, the remember the uh the, the 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 Twitter report. It was like uh uh the, the media kept saying that the, the Russia's gonna invade, Russia's gonna invade, Russia's gonna invade on you know XYZ at this time. And then the Russian Twitter <laughs> on the day that it happens at that time, they post a GIF and it's John Travolta looking around. Where is everybody? 
right? Yeah, I mean, and the, that's, again, the, the official, yeah, the official Russian uh, Twitter posted a thing that said uh, the Russian embassy would like to request a list of all of the times and dates that it's going to be invading Ukraine so that its diplomats may schedule vacations accordingly. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, yeah. it was, I mean, but that, that's, I mean, Hitler, he, he used, propaganda to try and proclaim that there was you know this anti-polish propaganda to justify his invasion of poland and that supposedly they'd attacked a radio station um the british used a lot of propaganda um one of my favorites is still their campaign to convince everybody that the reason that their fighter pilots always seem to intercept the germans during the battle of britain was they ate a lot of carrots and it was really good for their eyesight um arguably the most successful propaganda campaign in history because people still think carrots are good for your eyesight and it's a load of horseshit um <laughs> it was literally invented to to make to cover for the existence of radar um it's like that's the kind of thing that you know that you see throughout the history of warfare now it's just been propagated to a whole bunch of people and mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of people can put memes out and things it's just that half yeah, of us are just shit posters mm -hmm. Yeah, so. they talk about it. Uh, like the, the the U.S. military has like a whole branch, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, you know, they talk about it in Afghanistan, winning hearts and minds. That's where they did things like, you know, water projects and built schools and and all this other stuff. It was like it was it was hearts and minds, right? That's what they were trying to do. Mm -hmm. That was the propaganda. Uh, they yeah. wanted the people on their side, and it it didn't really work. But they tried real hard. Well, yeah, and like our docs would would help like local kids and stuff and people who were sick and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and yeah, that's that. That's what we do a lot of is to try and convince them that, you know, we're the good guys. You want us around. You don't want those guys around. <laughs> you want us. See, look at how good we are. We'd over publicize and over hype everything we did <laughs> because. And then we leave in the middle of the night. Yeah. I leave behind 86, 86 billion dollars worth of equipment for them. Yeah, and like, see, look at how good we are. Oh shit! Whoops. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We blew up that school with indiscriminate bombing, but we built you this new one. Look how cool oh, we it built is. you a new just, one. We just ignore the paid... burn pit that's where the hospital used to be. <laughs> see, now we now we you have a new one with an even bigger parking lot because we just I paved mean, over the debris of the last. Yeah, one. your kid has birth defects. Birth defects from our depleted uranium rounds, but those other guys wouldn't have let him go to school. <laughs> oh, um, yeah we may yeah. have slaughtered the entire wedding of one of your close family members but the other guys wouldn't have even let them get married so <laughs> yeah um what's happening today is these leaflets are now tweets or facebook posts or posts on tiktok and they are sowing the diff disinformation campaign long before an evasion tactics yeah mm -hmm. that's Information is everything. Well, and this is the exact same thing that Russia did in 2014. Remember, they they had uh -huh. tons of disinformation and they had, you know, these, um, you know, uh, not above board actors in Ukraine who were putting all this stuff out. And it's this is what has always happened. Um, and most recently in Ukraine, this is what happened in 2014 and Ukraine and Russia is just doing the same thing again that it just did just eight years ago. Worked then it's going to work again and it is working. Mm -hmm. It'd probably work better if they had encrypted radios. <laughs> <laughs> that is so fucking great. I there love that. I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but 
apparently the entire Russian army is using civilian Baofeng radios to communicate unencrypted. F- F- they're analog. using FRS. Yes, using because, FRS. because it turns out that even though there was this big thing about them getting all these new digital uh, encrypted radios a few years ago, whatever oligarch was in charge of that bought a bunch of standard civilian unencrypted analog Baofeng radios gave those out and then pocketed the difference. So now we have this bizarre situation where anyone who wants to at any given time can listen into the online scanners oh, of the Russian military and know exactly where the entire Russian military is at any given moment. And wow. civilians are able to construct jammers from plans on the internet and set them up and just jam all of their radio traffic for miles. I have a half dozen of those in my preps. I can set up my I could set up my 25 and put out some disinformation myself. Oh, it'd be hilarious. There's I've heard recordings of Russians like crying about being attacked by these civilians and stuff and these these irregular Ukrainian forces. And I don't really speak Russian, but I get enough of the gist of things to understand. Like, especially when the dude's actually sobbing into the radio, like it's it's so bizarre because you're listening to it in real time. You can hear the gunfire in the background there and uh-huh. like, it's completely unencrypted. Now, speaking of, okay. On that, speaking of, of information propaganda, I haven't seen many videos of actual street fighting. I've seen a bit. I, I've seen, I've seen them from one side. Like I've seen, like there's a really good video where the guy steps out, fires the RPG. Right, but it, it, you you pan that if that video when that video comes back in, there's like a brand new printer still in the box sitting right there, and some other stuff, and and but I I haven't seen like like what with Iraq and Afghanistan, soldiers were constantly posting videos of actual like you know combat. Mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't seen much actual combat footage. I haven't seen a lot. I've seen some from a couple of um, news sources. Sky News had that pretty intense um, ambush that was kind of their fault um, because they got a warning shot from a Russian uh, checkpoint, continued to drive because they couldn't figure out what the very obvious tracer was that was shot at them, started getting shot up. And then instead of getting one, they didn't know the Russian word for journalist. Like at one point, the chick goes, journalista. Yeah, that sounds Russian. <laughs> uh, they're practicing for Venezuela. It's a journalistia. Journalistia. Why is that hard? It's It even sounds a lot like journalist, but just with a russian sounding end to it. <laughs> it's not maybe, they, maybe they did understand, and that's why they were firing at them. Yeah, probably. They're like, fuck these guys. Um, but Legacy media. Like they're driving towards a, an obvious check. It should be a podcasters, podcasters. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're definitely dying. Uh, <laughs> but like they're driving towards an obvious checkpoint, an obvious tracer. And that's why you use tracers for that is because you fire in front of the vehicle. It's very obvious. It's a tracer. It's very obvious. Yeah, or the, 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 the 40, 40, uh, the, the 40 mic mic smoke rounds. Yeah. Like is, you is what, what they use a lot in, in Iraq. Yeah. You know that that's that you're being shot at mm-hmm. and told to stop the proper procedure to any reasonable human being is go, Oh shit, slam on your brakes, stop, get out of the car with your hands in the air, say, Hey, no, we're journalists point out the big press on your vest and everything and get through the checkpoint. Instead, they continue to drive and debate whether or not it was something under the car, start getting shot at, stop, stay in the car, start yelling the word journalist in Spanish at these Russian troops as they continue to get machine gunned, 
And you can tell that the Russian troops are just trying to get them out of the car because it's quick little bursts, just quick, mm -hmm. occasional bursts, trying to get them out of the car. And then they make a break for it and go up and over this embankment and go hide. And it's like, you know, you wouldn't have needed to do that if you just followed what obviously you should have done, which is go, oh, shit, I'm being shot at. Hey, wait, I'm just a journalist. That's obviously what you should have I've seen that and it's pretty intense ambush footage. I, I haven't seen much good first person ambush footage like that. Um, but I've seen that beyond that you get a little bit over, you know, over balconies and stuff looking down at gunfights, yeah. but that's kind of it. No one from on the ground is posting anything. Yeah. Which kind of, uh, I don't know the propagandist in me, the, militant in me is kind of like uh, i want some I, I mean i'm really curious that's i i'm actually disappointed that um headstamp didn't publish that book because that would have been mm -hmm. interesting whether it's written by a nazi or not it's going to be an interesting phase oh, facebook is supporting nazis so i mean yeah. not nazis are the new hotness maybe they should try again to publish it and everyone will be like but they're brave you know, brave fighters for yeah, Ukraine. Yeah, put a put an Azov Battalion logo on the front. Yeah, and everyone will be like, it'll, "Oh, it'll, it's a... it'll go to Amazon bestseller." You can buy an Azov Battalion shirt on Amazon. Two, two separate ones mm -hmm. actually. Two different ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the uh, the yeah. Um, Photoshop I did of um, Nazi Edward Norton with <laughs> Edward Azov Norton. insignia instead of the that swastika. Yeah, I, I cut that Azov logo off of one of the T-shirts from Amazon. Oh. Like. <laughs> that's... Yep. Like that is, and and I and I post no. it on my Twitter. I'm like, hey, Amazon, you want to explain why you have Nazi uh, pro Nazi stuff on uh, on Amazon right now? I'm, gonna... <laughs> I'm not. I'm not making memes. I'm making propaganda. I'm helping the war effort. <laughs> What's I'm the, helping. The, <laughs> the line. The line from uh, Starship Troopers. I'm doing my part, yeah, and they step I'm on doing the bugs. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. I'm a propagandist. Yeah. I'm throwing memes out there, man. And it's memes no. that say both of no. both sides of it sucks. So it's, um, all right, let's uh let's let's get into the serious one, I guess. Uh Ukraine war follows decades of warnings that NATO expansion into Eastern Europe could provoke Russia. What like, a surprise that maybe like, an organization specifically created to fight them being expanded to their borders might make them kind of provoked. Now, this is an article from theconversation.com. Um, as fighting rages across Ukraine, two versions of reality that underlie the conflict stare across a deep divide, neither, neither conceding any truth to the other. The more widespread and familiar view in the West, particularly in the United States, is that Russia is and always has been an expansionist state and its current president, Vladimir Putin, is the embodiment of the essential Russian ambition, quote, to build a new Russian empire. Quote, this was always about naked aggression, about Putin's desire for empire by any means necessary. That's a quote from Joe Biden, by the way. Yes. The opposing view argues that Russia's security concerns are in fact genuine, and that NATO expansion eastward is seen by Russians as a direct uh, as directed against their country. Putin has been clear for many years that if continued, the expansion would likely be met with serious resistance by the Russians, even with military action. That perspective isn't held just by Russians. Some influential American foreign policy experts have subscribed to it as well. 
Among others, Biden's CIA director, William J. Burns, has been warning about the pro but about the provocative effect of NATO expansion on Russia since 1995. Uh, that when Burns, then a political officer for the U.S. Embassy in Moscow, reported on the Washington that, quote, hostility to early NATO expansion is almost always universally felt across the domestic political spectrum here. No shit. No, but... Uh, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, or NATO, is a military alliance that was formed by the U.S., Canada, and several European nations in 1949 to contain the USSR and the spread of communism. Ironic, since we now live in a fucking communist country. Yeah. Now, mm. now, not, not only do, do we now live in a communist country, but Russia's not communist. Yeah. They're not. Well, I mean, I guess I would call us fascist. Uh, they're 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 a capitalist fascist-ish sort of thing, right? Not a, not a whole lot different than the United States. More yeah, th- I mean, more, th- more authoritarian, but the economy is very similar. Well, and you got to remember closer to, China, too, closer to China's. Yeah, well, again, you got to remember too that Russian history. The Russians historically do not go very long without a strong leader just going, I'm in charge. Like that never seems mm-hmm. to, there never seems to be a gap mm-hmm. there uh, where there's simultaneously stability in Russia and not a strong leader. That That's very, very mm-hmm. rare that that happens. Yeah. Um, what's, if what's at all. Sign, really. You know, strong men create good times. Good times yeah. create weak men. Weak men create bad times. Bad times yeah. create strong men. Yeah. And it's, I mean, the, because, you know, you have starting with Peter the Great, you know, you have the, the Romanov dynasty, and they're all a bunch of very strong autocratic leaders that have kind of coalesced Russia into the Russian Empire. And then that falls to the Soviets. And you have, you know, the, the October Revolution and mm-hmm. in 1917. And then that's, you know, a bunch of very strong right. authoritarian leadership. And finish, finish your story. Listen, I'm going to go take a piss. Oh, okay. Um, and then you have the the early '90s, right after the fall of communism in in '91, and it's like, okay, who's in charge of Russia? Like, I guarantee you, I challenge anybody to be able to name a single person who was in charge of Russia between the fall of communism in '91 and v- Vladimir Putin. You can't, because no. nobody remembers, and it was super unstable. I mean, there's that joke. In uh, um, the the show, the movie Canadian Bacon, that Michael Moore did, where he where they're like, why don't we call over to Russia and see who's in charge this week? Like it's there's there's nobody, you know, there's there's nothing left, and uh, for stability, and you have like this massive rise of, you know, of the Russian mob and everything else, and you have all these people vying for control, and then Putin takes over. And things have at least stabilized under Putin, but for whatever reason, Russia doesn't seem to ever not want like an authoritarian regime. Like they seem to do better with an authoritarian regime. I don't know if it's because they were serfs way later into uh, history than, uh, and you know, really medieval way later into history than everybody else just about in Europe. But I mean, that doesn't make sense because Japan was also full of serfs and stuff into the, you know, until the, the 1860s. Yeah. So I I don't know why that is, but that's just one of those things where like the Russians just need somebody to be this authoritarian that just 
dictates and they they seem to not like it when they don't have one yeah well they have that that old cultural thing going on like you 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 see touches of it in some like history shows and movies like you know vikings and stuff where they do the 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 viking crossover to the russians and stuff where somebody takes over and has to run it you know you just kind of see that in their culture going way back when too Uh it's something that's ingrained in their dna i guess yeah that's something that uh uh, putin has talked about and it was uh, the russian culture and that's um one of the reasons according to him that he invaded ukraine was to stop the western expansion of the liberal ideology or the eastern expansion of liberal ideology right you see what that's done to the u.s right while while russia was invading ukraine the u.s army was teaching people how to use pronouns uh, right why mm. why would he why would he want that sort of mentality to you know infest russia well, yeah. And I mean, Russia's always been different than everybody else. Like it always has. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at when, when Catherine the Great or, or her predecessor, um, Elizabeth, we're not going to count Peter because fuck Peter. Um, <laughs> he was a moron. Um, Most of them are. But yeah. Well, but I mean, he, Piotr was especially a moron. Like, because I mean, there's a reason Catherine wound up able to take the, the throne from her, her husband so easily and stuff. But um the you know you look at you look at Catherine the Great you look at Elizabeth you look at Peter the Great Elizabeth's grandfather mm. and you you know throughout the Romanov dynasty you just have very very strong personalities constantly the ruling autocratically and most of it while Europe the rest of Europe you know is progressing because like by the time you get to Catherine the Great you're you're in the 19th century well 18th century you're in the 18th century right so every other country is starting to democratize and they're starting to move away from this stuff. And meanwhile, you still have a medieval, like you have serfs mm-hmm. and, and serfs can be like taken away by the monarch and things from these nobles and, you know, granted to someone else. And like, you still have that feudal medieval system in Russia into the 18th century. Like it's, it says a lot that they just didn't see a reason to change. I think culturally mm-hmm. as they watched all these other, all these other countries change and they just didn't. <laughs> yep. Um, now the view of the West is no longer um, an anti-Russian alliance, but instead of a kind of collective security agreement aimed at protecting its members from outside aggression and promoting peaceful mediation of conflicts within the Alliance. Uh, recognizing the sovereignty of all states and their right to ally with whoever they wish, NATO ascended over time to the request of European democracies to join the alliance. Former members of the Soviet-established Warsaw Pact, which was kind of a Soviet version of NATO, were also brought into the NATO in the 1990s, along with three former Soviet republics, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, in 2004. The Western view is that the Kremlin is supposed to understand and accept that the alliance's activities along them, uh, among them, the war games to complete with the American tank stage in nearby Baltic states, a rocket station in Poland and Romania, which the U.S. says are armed at Iran, in no way present a threat to Russian security. We have a shit ton of tanks and missiles and fighters and strategic bombers. They were just flying uh, strategic bombers, B fifty two, fucking B fifty twos, man. Over over Eastern Europe, like oh, but don't worry, 
that's not a threat to you. Yeah, B-52s <laughs> don't drop, you know, firecrackers, man. Yeah, no, they they're do. they're strategic bombers. They were built to carry nuclear fucking weapons. Yep. Uh, Russian elite and broad public opinion have both long been opposed to the expansion, the placement of American rockets in Poland and Romania, and the arming of Ukraine with Western weaponry. Uh, there's another article from the Washington Post that was recently came out, and it was a declassified information. Uh, due to a Freedom of Information Act request um, that started in December, the Biden administration was arming Ukraine. Yeah, it was throwing a bunch of weaponry to them. Yeah. Which is a direct violation for Ukraine as well of the, the of yes. Minsk. Like, well, Minsk yes. and Minsk too. And, and no. it's not like Ukraine has ever adhered to Minsk either time, but like, uh-huh. which is the other thing you need to well, keep I mean, in mind about this. Well, um, so this this was Biden arming it in December. Right, we already we already talked about Obama arming it in 2014. Uh, President Clinton's uh, President Bill Clinton's administration moved to bring Poland, Hungary, and the Czech Republic into NATO. Burns wrote that the decision was quote premature at best and needlessly provocative at worst. Yeah, that's so. You you don't need to bring Baltic states in. That's mm-hmm. NATO should have been abolished in '91 when the Iron Curtain fell. That yes. should have been the end of NATO. Yes. That should have that should have allowed that to just dissolve as a direct result mm-hmm. of that, because the Eastern Bloc no longer existed in the same way. And, you know, there was no more Warsaw Pact, so there should be no more NATO. The fact that NATO mm-hmm. still exists, it's like, why? Yep. Okay. There's here's, no need for that. Here's a good one. In June 1997, right, this is six years after the wall fell, 50 prominent foreign policy experts signed an open letter to Bill Clinton saying, quote, we believe that the current U.S.-led effort to expand NATO is a policy error of historic proportions that would unsettle European stability. Hmm. Like, hmm. That was 25 years ago when that letter was written, 1997. So, uh, Isn't it funny how a quarter century yeah. later they've been proven completely correct? Uh, In 2008, the American ambassador to Moscow wrote to Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, quote, Ukrainian entry into NATO is the brightest of all the red lines for the Russian elite, not just Putin. In more than two and a half years of conversations with key Russian players from knuckle draggers in the dark recesses of the Kremlin to Putin's sharpest liberal critics, I have yet to find anyone who views Ukraine and NATO as anything other than a direct challenge to Russian interests. Yeah, because it is. Because it is. Yes. Because it, it, it fucking flat is. out is. Yes. It's like kind of just pointing your finger right mm-hmm. at their face. Yeah, I'm not touching you. It's worse. It's uh, like no touching you. It's, it's, uh-huh. it's like it's like being in a gang, right? Like you're a crip or blood or whatever. And Members of this other gang are aligned with other gangs that have a neutral, right? A neutral stance on you until the one next door joins that alliance, right? It's only a matter of time until something happens. And when something happens, all the rest of those are supposed to climb down, clamp down on you because that's their, that's their uh, uh, mutual assistance pack. Mm-hmm. Right, you can't let your enemy live next door to you and expect shit to not pop off. That's that's just just, just a fact. It's just an yeah. absolute fact. 
it's I mean, it's the same reason why when China and Russia were so hostile to each other, they had Mongolia. Mongolia is going to fuck, 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 fuck. Because no matter they're the buffer state, right? No matter mm-hmm. what, they're going if if anything pops off, they're going to get invaded from both directions simultaneously and will be the primary battleground. Yeah. Yeah. But that them being a buffer there helps to ensure a level of reduced tension mm-hmm. because each nation is now a, has a border with a neutral nation, not with mm-hmm. each other there. Yeah. And that helps. And it was the same thing between NATO and Russia is that you had the, all of those Eastern countries, you know, you had the Baltic and, and on down there and you didn't have to worry if you were Russia because NATO was on the other side of those. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you have this nice little buffer. And then we started encroaching, you know, NATO started encroaching on that buffer that's an act of aggression. Yeah. I and mean, the rhetoric that's coming out of Washington, yeah, D.C. Yeah, is aggressive. Like, like, NATO is not a trade organization. Like, people confuse that all the time. It's not a trade organization. It's a, it's a mutual assistance treaty yep. that exists, that was created, that was created to counter Russia. Period. Yeah. Period. It was created as in opposition to Russia. And now you want to put one of those countries on its border. A large country with nuclear capabilities on its border in an area that has ethical or uh, uh, ethnic Russians in it. A huge number of ethnic Russians. Like half of the <laughs> you, population of you, Ukraine is Russian. You expect Putin to go, oh, well, you know, I guess they voted to, well, just leave them be. <laughs> Are you fucking crazy? Are yeah. you is that stupid? I mean, even oh. if even if Ukraine had agreed to and I'm, let I, let Donbass and, and Crimea go, right? Well, and even, they even, ended their border at the Dnieper. Even, even if still... even if even if they, they, they let Crimea and, and the Donbass region go and those areas joined Russia, you still have you still have Ukraine on Russia's border. Well, yeah, you still have you still have a just a river. An easily crossable river, as we saw just a few days ago when Russian troops blew across it like it was nothing. We have an easily crossable river, and that's your only buffer between them is a river. And a major river that you know both countries' navies are going to want to go up and down. And whose resources whose resources each country is going to want to use. Yeah, it's oh my god. I mean when when they when they took Crimea. When, when Russia when Russia took control of Crimea, uh, there's a river going into Crimea, right? The river was used for the area of the of Crimea the Crimean Peninsula, right? Freshwater area for the Crimean Peninsula. Ukraine literally poured cement into the river to stop the river. Yep. Like, it. it uh, do you like? Do you understand what's happening here? Like poke the bear, poke the bear, poke the bear, poke the bear, punch the bear in the fucking eye. Right now you po- they, they poke the bear again. Now the bear fights back, and everybody's like, "Oh my god, bear man, bad!" Yep. Like I'm not Putin's not a good guy. I'm not saying he's a good guy. I'm not saying Russia was right. I'm saying what the fuck did you expect was going to happen? Yeah, and yeah. all you had to do was not 
the the eastern you know the or the the western allies right just had to not fuck with eastern countries they just had to not um, want to enact this aggressive expansion this imperialism and that's what is it's american imperialism nato was itself american imperialism even even if if it's about trade say it's about trade right you can enter into a trade deal with ukraine without trying to put them in nato yeah very easily uh-huh. just, and it's i mean you know and that's the thing is it's like the the united states was never supposed to form alliances like this they were never you know the america was never supposed to be this imperialist power that was not how it was originally envisioned uh-huh. by the men who wrote the the founding I, documents of the country i really wish daniel shea had succeeded yeah Shay's rebellion would have been great to have as as having had it worked or mm-hmm. if the anti-federalists had won out over the federalists even would have been fucking nice yeah the articles of the confederation limited the federal government i just yeah and now you have you have congressmen who want to have the president issue think about what this says the president issue letters of mark and reprisal for russian flag vessels they um um uh, Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham openly called for Putin's assassination. Ugh. Yeah, that moron. Yeah, there's a, a and now yeah he called for that on Twitter and then now there's a Republican from I think from Texas who issued uh, a, who submitted a, a proposition to have and it's hilarious. Like I have to laugh because the president can't issue letters of market reprisal. Only Congress can. In the Constitution, it expressly says that only Congress has the power to issue letters of market reprisal. And a member of Congress who should be familiar with that, if he's going to mention it, is like, let's have the pre- let's give the president even more power now. And not only that, let's make sure that he uses it to go after a new rival nuclear power. Yep. Yeah, it's it's. It's fucking Fubar. The whole thing is Fubar. Mm. And we're not saying we're not saying Russia's right. We're not saying Russia's right. Putin's Putin's a Putin's a terrible person. Putin's a terrible person. Putin's a giant piece of shit. Pieces of shit. Yeah, he's an autocrat. He's a tyrant. He's absolutely awful. His list of human rights abuses is a mile and a half long. It's almost as long as the United States. (laughs) Yeah, he's terrible. Yeah, he is. But that doesn't mean that you have to get involved when he attacks another terrible government and another terrible country run by Nazis. That's, mm-hmm. that's just not your fight. Nazis. When two bullies start fighting each other, the you do not run over and choose sides. You just let them yeah. beat each other up. There is you know, a third option. Just watch. <laughs> yeah. you know, there's, there's that, there's that really good meme. Uh, and it's uh, two chicks fighting. And there's a guy in the back smoking a bowl. We just need to yeah. smoke a bowl and stay the fuck out of it. Yeah, and just watch yeah. and be like, "Huh, wow, boom." <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's it. That's you don't have to be involved, nor should America get involved. It's not our no. fight. It's no. not our fucking business. It's nobody right. else's business but Russia and Ukraine. All these other countries getting involved is a load of horseshit. It's it's a border dispute. You know? And a regional dispute between two nations. Yeah. It is not your fight. Do not get involved in it. Yeah. There is no reason to pick sides. 
Yep. Until until Ukraine starts doing, you know, Ukrainian Russian Russian order or Ukrainian order mail order brides with free AA twelve or free AK twelves. Like yes. I don't have a dog in this fight. Yeah. If there's if they're like, hey, here's a an AKS seventy four U for you. <laughs> At that point, I'm gonna be like, mm. she's she's five foot five, blonde, blue eyes, and comes with a, you know, AKS seventy four. Man, have you seen like Ukrainian five thousand rounds <laughs> and five thousand rounds? Yeah, here's yeah. five thousand rounds of two ammo, uh, and um, here's you know, and here's a, a Ukrainian blonde with, you know, thirty two <laughs> H's. At that point, you know, I might consider. <laughs> Holy back problems, Batman. Dude, have you seen Ukrainian women? Holy crap. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right, let's uh let's throw some plugs and get out of here. Uh by Derek's book. It's called Think for Yourself. Yep. It's available on God, I hope she gets, Prime. I hope she gets better soon. Yeah, hopefully she gets better soon and is able to be back on the show. But until then, we'll keep pimping her book. So uh by Derek's book. Uh make sure if you want to care for your beard like a Viking, you hit up thebeardstruggle.com. Use code inkdanarchist 15 Get 15% off of your order. They have their Platinum Sense out now. They have the Beard Straightener 2.0 out now. It's got carbon fiber and gold on it. It's super neat. And if you use code inkdanarchist 15 you get 15% off. Check out our boy at Poppins Patches. Uh, he makes a whole shit ton of patches that we rock constantly. He makes the uh, tactical tri-corner hat that Josh is wearing. And uh, he supports show and is super cool, and you should definitely support him. Also, check out Boog Boogie seventy nine on Twitter uh, if you want to get some of the Boog flags like me and Chris have, uh, where we have the Boog Unity flag, we have the Boog State flags. It's got all sorts of cool stuff over there. Also, I am an affiliate for RK Spookwear. If you use your three D printer to make shooty boys and you need parts for those, no better place to go than over there. He's got some cool merch, and his little logos are always adorable. So check out RK Spookware. Don't uh, forget to check us out on alternative media like Odyssey and Rumble and MeWe. We're on all of those. Did I miss anything? Not that I can think of. But those are all linked. Those are all linked in the description below. All so, right. On that note, Josh, give us a piece of life advice. Keep some marshmallows handy for the impending nuclear apocalypse. <laughs> The trick is you hold them out just in front of you so that for a brief moment you can see it roast to perfection before you, you vaporize. So, yes. <laughs> on that note, Red Man Bad, Comedy Man Bad. Um, go check your preps. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Peace.